Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. This is E-Commerce Conversations by Practical E-Commerce. My name is Kerry Murdoch. The e-commerce industry in the United States is robust. It's also robust in other industrialized countries, while still other countries lag in their e-commerce development. The state of worldwide online retailing is our topic today. And to help us understand it, we welcome Joanne Bethlemy. She's with Cisco, the worldwide technology firm serving as a director in Cisco's Internet Business Solutions Group, which advises large, multi-billion dollar companies on Internet matters. Well, Joanne, thank you for your time today. Thank you for letting me be here, Carrie. Joanne, your company, Cisco, is, of course, operates on a worldwide basis. You've got clients around the globe, and we are here today to talk about worldwide e-commerce and the scope of worldwide e-commerce with your expertise uh, in that field. My my first question for you today, Joanne, is tell us what's the rough dollar volume of, say, global e-commerce versus brick-and-mortar re- e- uh, retailing? Does, are, do those numbers even exist? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see lots of different numbers. So, um, you know, the way we are looking at it is in 2015, which is only four years from now, nice round number though, 2015, we think that the global e-commerce market is going to reach almost $1.4 trillion. Um, now that may be a larger number than your readers will see elsewhere. What we include in that things like travel and auto, which a, a lot of our customers offer those services. When you think about that 1.4 trillion in e-commerce, um, the United States will probably be a little over 450 million, or 33 percent of that. Still, the the largest market, even uh, in 2015. Um, how predominant e-commerce, how big a proportion e-commerce is of total retailing, or looking at brick and mortar, varies by part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the U.S. Um, and again, you'll see different estimates, but um, we say that e-commerce will probably be somewhere around 8% of total retail. So obviously brick and mortar still predominates dramatically, mm-hmm. but e-commerce is growing at a much faster rate. You look at a, a, on a global basis, it's even lower. E-commerce is probably going to be about 4%. 
of total retail, so obviously dwarfed by physical stores. But again, the growth rates typically that you'll see and growing online or, or e-commerce are, are much higher than store over store, you know, comparable rates in the, in the physical world. Beyond, just, just to follow up on that thought, beyond 2015, does, does Cisco see a leveling off of e-commerce growth or can you, can you, can you pontificate beyond 2015 <laughs> in, in terms of, I don't know that I can, but, uh, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> and of course it, it varies by part of the world. Um, between now and 2015, we think the growth rate globally will be somewhere, will average somewhere around 13.5%, mm. you know, each year on an mm. average growth rate. Um, of course, those markets which are more developed, like the U.S. or the U.K., um, you know, will see lower growth rates because they're growing at a lower rate, though still much higher than physical stores, whereas other parts of the world who are really just getting on board with this, places like, you know, Spain or China, of course, or, or India or Brazil or Mexico, things that are will be growing at a much higher rate still. What about specific or general, I should say, products and services? Are there product categories or service categories that you see growing relatively more quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, regardless of what your readers sell, every product segment is going to be grow online for the foreseeable future. It doesn't matter what they're, what you're selling. Mm. You, you need to be online. Because um, all categories are going to grow somewhere between 10 and 15% a year, you know, for the, for the next several years. Um, there are some categories which are at the high end of that, um, motor vehicles, and mm. expected to grow at about 15% compound annual growth rate. Mm. Food and beverage, about 13%. Furniture, 13%. Those are some of the, the higher growth seg- sectors. You mentioned, uh, I think you said earlier, Joanne, that roughly 8%, maybe at 2015, somewhere in the neighborhood of 8% of total retailing in the U.S. would will perhaps be e-commerce, if I understood those numbers correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How does that... How does that compare with other industrialized countries around the world? You know, I don't have um, those numbers right on hand, but it's it's kind of in it's the industrialized are kind of in the middle. So, for example, in the UK, they're up at um, about eleven percent today. Eleven hmm. percent in the UK today of retail is e-commerce, so they're out ahead of us. Um, other parts of the world that um, there, where, for example, Japan, they still kind of prefer to shop in person, even though they have a very strong e-commerce. It's going to be a little lower, so it it will depend on the uh, culturally. So we're in the we're somewhere among indu- industrialized countries. We're somewhere in the middle, the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What about consumer consumer buying habits and other parts of the world, perhaps other other industrialized countries that have an active e-commerce industry generally. 
do those consumer habits vary? And, uh, and by consumer habits like shipping or smartphone usage or any other, any other differences among countries? There are tremendous differences between countries. So, you know, for larger retailers and perhaps your readership who are thinking about actually creating separate country websites, you really have to be very in tune with each country's differences, but to maybe to highlight some of the ways that they differ. So we talk about payment customs. Um, payment preferences vary dramatically across cultures, um, usually based on that country's history. So for example, uh, someplace like Germany, which had tremendous inflation after the last wars, they really tend to be don't tend to use credit cards as much, or at least some of the older generations. So um, they want to pay for their online purchases with online bank transfers and PayPal more than they want to pay via credit card. Um, someplace, uh, Japan, Taiwan, Mexico, a lot of people want to pay uh, COD cash on on delivery, which mm-hmm. is very different than the United States where we've. It's primarily, you know, credit card or, or PayPal. So um, payment preferences really need to be looked at if you're going to open separate country operations because you, you want to really unlock the revenue potential in any particular country. So you, want to, you want people to be able to pay in the way they want to pay so they want to shop with you. Now, for a smaller website, perhaps as some of your readers, if you... You know, you, you won't get into that complication quite as much. Are there e-commerce merchants around in different areas that sell products on a COD basis off an e-commerce site? Oh, COD is quite common in Mexico, Japan, and Taiwan. Off an, off an e-commerce site? Oh, yeah. That's, that, those are ma- that is some of the major ways to pay for e-commerce, for example, in those three countries. Wow. Yeah, so for example, um, you asked differences. More, here's more differences. Um, different countries have actually more sophisticated shipment and pickup options than we do in the United States. So for example, in Japan, it has a very sophisticated, fast, and cheap um, delivery system for e-commerce. Um, you can ship to people expect it either that day or in one day. And they like to pick up their packages at local convenience stores. That's because they it's much denser housing, so you just don't want packages sitting at your door when you're out working for the day. So there's a, in Japan, many people pick up their e-commerce packages at local convenience stores and then they can pay cash on delivery you know, at that time. And the e-commerce providers have um, worked out agreements with the delivery carriers and the convenience store chains to be a, basically a retail for them. That's interesting. Let's change directions sure. just for a sec, Joanne, and ask you to put on your entrepreneur hat for us. Mm-hmm. Let's sort of the opposite of Cisco for a sec. Let's assume <laughs> you're a you're a, a smaller merchant and you've got a you know an couple of them employees and you sell a product line based in the U.S. to date 
let's say you do between a half a million and a million dollars a year a year in uh, U.S. sales, mm-hmm. what what would be your strategy for for international sales, or would you would you even go there? Well, first of all, I'd ask myself: um, Is what I sell who is it interesting to? Right? Mm-hmm. Do I sell things that are so unique that lots of people around the world, you know, would like it? Um, do I have a specialty that is in demand in other places, and if so, where? And and if that's true, then you start asking yourself, well. What do I need to do? What can I do relatively in a relatively straightforward way or easily to enable people from around the world to buy from me? How do I make it easy for them? And, you know, the number one thing you can do is figure out how to ship to them globally. So, for example, um, a friend of mine has a small company in the L.A. area that they really are experts at embedding um, things like badges and um, memorabilia in, in Lucite. Well, he now has orders from all over the world. And, you know, his website looks like any small business website, but he does ship anywhere, and he's worked out um, with places like FedEx and DHL and the post office, you know, to ship anywhere. So that's, that's easy. That's the number one thing. Um, beyond that, uh, you might want to consider closer in international markets, Canada and Mexico. Mm-hmm. And there are now um, uh, third-party suppliers out there who ha- specialize in helping businesses you know, just ship and deal with the customs and tariffs and currency conversions and so forth to Canada and, and to Mexico. Or, or anywhere, actually, around the world now. But that might be a place to start. Um, if you have something in particular that the Hispanic market would be interested in, then, of course, you, you're going to want to perhaps have a, a Spanish version of your site, a translation into Spanish, or be able to, to ship easily uh, into Mexico. Your, the example you cited there of, of your friend, I didn't catch what he sold. What he or she sold again? Uh, so, if you imagine some um, used a lot for retiring police officers or some something memorable, your badge. Um, they have a manufacturing company that can encase anything in in clear lucite, so mm. you can have it as on your shelf to look at, and it can be anything. Um, but it's a uh, you know a very particular. Specialized, you know, specialty uh, that is in demand, and now they get orders, you know, from around the world. Does does that particular site, to your knowledge, do they translate? Do they provide any trans? Do they translate any content? Nope. Yep. That's why I say it's the first. You know, if you're going to do anything, just do one thing. You're a small business. Just make sure that you have created the capability to ship globally. Mm-hmm. I mean, the number. If you're going to order from another country. You need to know it's going to get to you. You need to know that you can pay. And in this case, keep it simple. You're going to offer um, uh, credit cards or PayPal. And um, and then much farther down the line, because it's fairly expensive to translate, would be a um, translation. 
We have just a just a minute or two left here, Joanne. Any other thoughts today for our listeners who are mainly, of course, smaller merchants as they contemplate perhaps international sales? Yeah, I think to to, to understand that it's a it's a very interconnected world now. The world is much smaller. People are ordering um, from routinely now, especially with things like eBay, from other countries. So not only is it smart because you want to get a global audience to think how to do that, but realizing that you're now competing in a global market because merchants from around the world are, are actively soliciting U.S. consumers. So it's um, defensive as well as offensive to think about uh, gaining a global audience. Okay. Well, for purposes of our listeners, we've been visiting with Joanne Bethlemy. Joanne is Director, Internet Business Solutions Group, a director within the Cisco's Internet Business Solutions Group. That that website, if if listeners want to learn more about the division that Joanne is in, the Internet Business Solutions Group, just go to cisco.com and search or navigate to Internet Business Solutions Group. Again, that's cisco.com. And Joanne Bethlemy, a director within Cisco's Internet Business Solutions Group, we want to thank you for your time today. Well, thank you, Carrie. That's all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another new episode.